Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. So welcome back. We're, we're going to just jump right in at 1 Peter 1.10 is where we left off from last week. And just, you know, again, to kind of catch everybody up, if you haven't heard the first um, of the teachings of this, just, you know, the people that Peter's writing to are about to come under or are already under some very se- uh, severe persecution, most likely from the Neronic persecution. So the Emperor Nero had decided to blame the fires of Rome or the, the big fire in Rome on the Christians in order to have basically some kind of a scapegoat so that he could blame everything that was going on on these Christians. And, you know, the persecution against them was brutal. So we're talking about like, you know, uh, I mean, crazy things like draping them with animal skins and having the lions tear them limb from limb, like basically setting them uh, on fire alive while they're sticking on pikes so they could light the roadway to Rome. So this is severe persecution and it was about ready to come to these people. So one of the first things he does is essentially try and, and again, we here in America right now have not yet really ever experienced any kind of persecution. I mean, certainly not uh, this kind of extreme persecution. I mean, you might get a little at your work or, you know, somebody's mean to you on Facebook or something like that. But like I said, most of the persecution is going to come from people, from other believers who just disagree with you theologically or they don't like you or they don't believe in the gifts of the spirit or something like that. Like most of your persecution, unfortunately, is going to come there not really from unbelievers, but at least not in America. But anyway, um, so let's just continue. First Peter 1.10, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. And I, I just love this part because it's like the prophets who prophesied basically of the grace that was coming, they didn't just sit around and kind of wait for God to drop a word in them. Like they, they made careful searches and inquiries. And I'm telling you of God and of the word, like they were students of the word. They were wondering, they were, they were reading through the scriptures. They were probably reading through other prophetic words. They were listening. They were diligently seeking, um, basically, to see uh, what was coming. They wanted to understand when the Messiah was going to come and when the new covenant was coming because they were so hungry for it. And right now, it is so important that we know the times, that we know the signs of the times, that we're like the sons of Issachar, that we know the times that we're in, that we know how important everything is that's happening right now, that we're hearing God, like what is happening in this season? Because this season can be very confusing for people. I mean, right now, this season can be incredibly confusing. And and if we don't know like what kind of attack we're under, the nature of the attack, like what's actually going on, it's going to be difficult for us to navigate this. So just, you know, he's like, he's telling them that I, um, that they made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time The spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. So it's awesome. So they were looking for what person, meaning is the person of Jesus, the Messiah was coming, or what time the spirit of Christ within them was indicated as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. 
So just so you know, like he's basically saying like they, they realized that it was not going to come in their lifetime. They, they realized that the Messiah and the things that happened with Jesus were, was, were not, was not going to come during their lifetime, but they're going to have to wait um, and not even see it themselves. But it was actually they were going to prophesy of a future generation, of a coming generation. And I don't know how I can put this in any kind of uh, how I make this as strenuous as I can so that we can kind of hear the word of the Lord. Right now, it is so important. And I'm really speaking to baby boomers and Gen Xers, of which I myself am a Gen Xer, um, to say, guys, yes, God has a plan for us. Yes, God has a purpose for us. Yes, there's things that he still called us to do. But can we turn our eyes and our hearts to the next generation? Can we look to equip to father, to mother, to pray for, to intercede, to get off our little high horses of insecurity and needs to be seen and feel important and say, you know what, I'm going to actually look for them. Because look, there he was saying that they looked what, at time, what time that Jesus was coming for this generation. And it was revealed to them that they're actually not serving themselves. But they were, revealed, they were actually serving a generation to come. And he's saying, but you, meaning the generation of Christ Jesus in the first coming. In these things which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. He's basically saying like the angels didn't even necessarily get to see the power and the truth of the gospel. But it's so powerful that all these generations looked forward to them receiving the gospel. And what I want to just say so strongly is he's trying to tell them like the power and the grace of the gospel, the simple gospel is so amazing that he's basically saying this is what we are needing to focus on in this time of trial like understanding that they are under massive persecution or are about to come under and there are many of us right now and i can definitely throw myself in there and if you're there too like like i I know that you get it there is an absolute all-out assault right now and again it's in the spirit again we're americans we're not necessarily getting persecuted by by non-believers certainly to the extent that the first generation uh first uh, century Christians were. I mean, that's laughable to think we even compared to that. But in terms of the spiritual warfare, there are many of you who are under such strong warfare and you are absolutely being made to think you're alone. Like you, you're being made to think that you're the only one going through this. You're the only one feeling this. And I just got to tell you, that is so far from the truth. Um, so basically what he's saying is the gospel is incredibly powerful And he's saying, look, this is how you do it. So I think the way they were preparing for persecution is the exact way that we need to um, basically get ourselves ready. I'm I'm not saying ready ourselves to be persecuted like we're super paranoid or something. Uh, All I'm saying is like the attack that we're under right now, um, he tells us kind of the ways to prepare for that. So he says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. This is literally gird up your loins. So what he's saying when he says gird up your loins or prepare your mind for action to them, you know, it's kind of a way of saying like in English it'd be like, roll up your sleeves, kind of like get ready to go to work is kind of like what he's saying. So in the ancient Near East, most men would wear essentially ankle length tunics. And what they would do is they would pull up their tunics and tie a belt around it um, when they needed to like run, um, when they needed to get somewhere fast, when they needed to work really fast. And again, it wasn't considered, um, you know, very proper actually to even do that. But, but um, 
he's saying, look, you need to make this such a priority. Prepare your minds for action. And right now, I just want to help everyone. We need to be preparing our minds. And if you don't really know what that means, like, let's just think about this for a second. Like, there are a lot of thoughts that are coming into your mind right now that are not from God, that are actually attacks to the enemy. And if you don't know that that's happening, if you think this is your thoughts, you are very mistaken. So if you're if you're sitting around going, gosh, I don't know if God's going to provide for us. Like maybe you're being attacked at the level of provision. Maybe you're being attacked at the level of relationship. Maybe your wife, you and your wife are having problems. Maybe you're being attacked at the level of with your kids. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your church. I mean, there's a lot of things that the enemy could attack you. Um, and it's all based off of, of what it looks like in reality. It all based off what, it, or just feels like. It looks like or feels like and it's not, um, you know, at all uh, anything that is, is rooted in reality at any level at all. Um, and so how, one of the ways you prepare your minds for action um, is, is this. You have to speak out the opposite of what you feel. So let me give you this as a tool. And, and I'm telling you guys, I, I kid you not, like I'm talking 50 times a day at your level of attack. So if you're, let's just take finances. If you're sitting there going like, I don't know if God's going to provide, I'm freaking out about this. Like you feel like you're being t attacked at the level of your finances. And again, all of this is, is to attack your faith. All of this is to test your faith. It's like the devil doesn't care about your finances unless your finances are, are going to hurt your faith in some way. So he'll go after those. But you need to speak the truth of the scriptures out loud. That's how you prepare your mind. One of the ways you prepare your mind is by what you say. And what you say programs your mind what to think. So, you know, you got to say things like, my God provides for me. My God loves me. My God will provide more than enough. My, or, or with your, let's say you're just, whatever your problems are. It's a problem with your marriage. It's a problem going on there. You have to prepare your mind for action by saying the opposite of what you feel. So it's like, no, God is a God of my marriage. God is for my marriage. He is for my relationship. He will bring victory. He will change this. He will, you know, God will give me the desires of my heart. Like this is the kind of stuff is how you prepare your mind, which is why the very next thing he says, keep sober in spirit. Well, why is he saying keep sober in spirit? He's saying keep sober in spirit because when these attacks come, when persecution comes, it, whether it's in the form of demonic, like this is what we're seeing here, or in the form of something else, you have to, you're going to be emotional. I mean, the, the fact is like keep sober in spirit is saying you're going to like to be drunk in spirit is, is, well, there's a positive uh, way to do that. <laughs> the Bible talks about like being drunk in the spirit. But in this context, that's, that's not what he means. He means like the opposite of being emotion, an emotional wreck, like letting your emotions rule you. And see, the thing is, that's, that's the enemy's game. If he can get you to think the wrong thoughts, to agree with the wrong things, which means you're believing lies, he can get your emotions to line up with lies. And that's, that's basically the opposite of keeping sober in spirit. It's like, okay, we need to make sure that our emotions are lining up with reality and not the reality that we see, but the reality of the kingdom of God. So one of the ways to do that is actually to say out loud, you know, the realities of the kingdom, to pray things that are the opposite of what you feel, to make sure that you're keeping sober in spirit. And the next thing, fix, oh, this is so important, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. Fix your hope, this is verse 13, completely on the grace to be brought to you 
at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I just want to let you know what he's saying there. Like, okay, here's the deal. If your hope is in something other, now let's talk about what grace is. So if you don't know what grace is, it has two basic meanings in the scripture. Number one is the one everyone kind of already knows, which is the unmerited favor of God. So grace would be God gives you a bunch of favor and stuff you didn't deserve. But the other aspect of that is the operational power of God. So you have grace, the unmerited favor of God, and grace, the uh, the operational power of God. And both of those um, things basically are what we encompass, what's called grace, completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And your hope must be on that grace that you get as you understand who Jesus is, as, as and this isn't just brought to you at the revelation, like the second coming. This is like brought to you as you understand deeper and deeper the person of Jesus Christ. So this is like my entire hope is not on my circumstantial change. My entire hope is not on, you know, on this particular thing I want to see happen. My entire hope is on the person of Jesus Christ and the grace he pours out, meaning all the awesome things that come through knowing him. So the more I know him and my hope is actually in knowing him. Now, it doesn't mean we don't believe for stuff. It doesn't mean we don't trust God for certain breakthroughs and pray for those because we definitely do. It just means that those are an outgrowth of our hope. So if you imagine it like this, like all the things you pray for, you want to see, the changes you want to see, the breakthrough you want to see happen, the finances, the relationships, the healing, you know, whatever it is, these are all branches and leaves of a tree. But they all run down to one trunk and root. And that trunk and root is the hope rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. So that every desire, every hope, every longing, every prayer, everything we're standing on, everything we're believing for, everything we're trusting God for is actually growing out of that one root, which is hope in Jesus Christ. And the thing about trials and tribulations and the things that like these people are about ready to go through is it kind of tends to reveal like exactly where that is with you. So it kind of shows you like, is your root in hope in Jesus or is your root in these branches that are easily burned? So, um, you know, these kinds of things just tend to kind of show you like, okay, where's my hope actually been? It needs to, I need to go back to my number one hope, which is my love, adoration, and ministry unto the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Everything else flows from that. Verse 14, as obedient children... Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. So the reason he's saying this is he's saying, you know, I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but pain seeks pleasure. So when you are hurting, when you're going through something really, really tough, like the biggest thing is that that pain wants you to seek pleasure. So, so he's telling you, like, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in ignorance, because he understands that during these kinds of times when you're hurting, you're going to want to go back to what you used to take comfort in, like prior to coming to Christ or old habits that have that don't want to go away. When you're hurting, pain seeks pleasure. You just want to feel better. You want this pain to stop. And the temptation is to go back to those former lusts, which he's like, look, don't do that. Do not do that. I know you want to, but don't do that. Because that, then he goes, uh, verse 15, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So all he's saying here is the same thing. He's like, 
in this time of trial, going through all this stuff, he's like, don't go back to how you used to act. Don't go back to how you used to be. Don't go back to the same coping mechanisms that you used to use. Because trust me, it's not going to help you. That is not what you need right now. You need to prepare your minds for action. You need to gird up your loins is literally what it says. You need to keep sober in spirit. You need to place all your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to go for it and hold on in this time. And he's basically saying, don't compromise. Like, don't go back to those old things that brought you comfort because most of us know and if you know this if you're a mature believer at all you know those temporary fixes they are just that they're very very temporary and they really set you back more than forward and, and that's all he's trying to say and then verse 17 if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth now, of course, this is a big thing. Like people talk about the fear of God and what is the fear of God and should we fear God? And Yeah, of course we should fear God. But once again, we don't want the picture that is painted by religion that somehow we're trembling that God is always this horrible God in the sky waiting to spank us or something. I mean, that, that's not at all, of course, what he's talking about when he talks about fear. When he says conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on earth because we have an impartial judge, judges according to each one's work. Um, basically, he, what he's trying to say is what? Like, uh, that, remember, during these times of, of trial, there's that temptation to fall back into old stuff. And he's like, don't do that. Do not do that um, because he's already empowered you to walk in holiness because you are holy. He says, you are holy. Jesus Christ has declared you holy. Now, what I want you to understand is he certainly, he, he can't be saying right here that somehow everything boils down to your works because that would contradict the entire gospel, right? That would contradict Paul, contradict other things that Peter says because the gospel is all about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and all of your actions flow out of that. But again, it doesn't mean they're, they don't matter. I mean, it doesn't mean they're inconsequential. It just means that they, they're, they have nothing to do with your holiness, that your holiness is found totally in Christ Jesus. But do understand that we need to, add, to live in a certain level of fear. Like, you know what? I don't want to go back to those things. I'm afraid to go back to those things because those things are insulting to my God. Those things are beneath me. Those things are not who I am anymore, and they do not reflect who I am in Christ Jesus. And that's part of preparing your mind to remind yourself who you are, to remind yourself that isn't who I am. Who I am is righteous. Who I am is holy. Who I am is glory. Verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed, Right there again, you are not redeemed, meaning made completely new, where every single thing bad was made good. That's what knowing you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Basically, he's saying like, look, you were not redeemed from... Um, you know, with the perishable things like silver or gold or any of this other nonsense that you inherited from the people before you, but redeemed again, every single bad thing made good, every single crap thing made awesome. <laughs> That's what redeemed is, but you are actually redeemed with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Verse 20, for he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. 
I mean, this is like, whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> it's like Jesus is amazing. He is perfect. He is spotless. He was foreknown from the foundation of the world. And he's appeared in these last times for your sake, for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So I just want to stop right there. Just We're going to continue um, the next podcast with the next section of this. But I wanted to just to get that part out there so that we are understanding right now we need to be so preparing our minds. We need to be so sober in spirit. We need to have a thing about us where we're not going to agree with the enemy, especially during this time right now, because we really are in a time that is still a time of flux, a time of change, like an interim time. And we need to be very careful the voices we listen to because we need to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. Because if you're listening too much to other voices, that can become very confusing. I'm not talking about not listening to preachers and teachers. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there's certain things that you'll hear in a time like this of flux where someone will say, oh, it's time to move. Oh, it's time to get up and go. And they're giving some kind of prophetic word or what they think is a prophetic word. And that can sometimes be about you, but oftentimes it can be about them or one other person there and you'll think it's him because you haven't been cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus where you're really really hearing him and having that time before him in this time of flux and change and I'm just saying be rooted in the word so that you're moved by his voice in the word and not as much by a prophetic voice or just another believer again not that we don't hear God through other people because obviously we totally do that we hear God we love God we receive him through others that's okay that's that's even that's totally biblical that's scriptural but to remember our first and foremost is to hear him directly for ourselves and to walk in that intimate place with him so anyway bless you guys i'm excited for the next podcast i'm going to get it out it gets real intense here in first peter so um so let's do this i'll talk to you soon thank you for listening to unleash ministries podcast we pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the father's love poured out through his word If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the Give link. Thank you.